Amen. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and join me in the book of Psalms. Two weeks ago, Pastor gave us a theme for the new year. Strong is the theme for the new year from Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and uh, we will be, I'm sure, going into a study on, on that particular topic of strong and looking forward to that as we move into 2023. Many things we're doing as a church, of course. I wanted to take just this morning, as we have the opportunity today, to read Psalm chapter 13. Psalms are an amazing part of the Bible. Some of the most familiar passages in the Bible come from Psalms. There's a collection of 150 of them. They're often quoted. In fact, Jesus himself quoted the Psalms, I believe, more than any other specific book in the Old Testament. Psalms mean literally praise. So we can think of them as songs of of poetry, songs of praise. They don't really rhyme, but they express a single thought or idea in multiple ways, and it really is beautiful. They would have been all put to melodies that we don't have necessarily the same melodies they would have had then, but we do have the truth of the Psalms that's preserved for us in the scripture. And although they're songs of praise, some of the Psalms are also prayers. And that's what we have here in Psalms 13. Let's read it together. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide my face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we are thankful for the depth of the scriptures that inform our lives, lead us to the gospel and salvation and give us the wisdom we need for our life. We pray that you bless your word, that your spirit would teach us through our time together this morning. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake, amen. There's a story I heard about a man at work who went into the lunchroom at 12 o'clock and he opened up his lunchbox and he pulled out a sandwich and looked at it and he said, a bologna sandwich. I hate bologna sandwiches. The next day, Tuesday, walks into the lunchroom, it's 12 o'clock, he opens up his lunchbox again and he says, he looks at the, the sandwich, he says, I hate bologna sandwich. This is the second day in a row that I have a bologna sandwich. I despise bologna sandwiches. Wednesday, opens up his lunchbox at noon in the lunchroom. This is unbelievable. I can't believe it. He said, this is the third day in a row. I hate bologna sandwiches and look what I have. I have a bologna sandwich. Finally, one of the workers, his friends was in the room all three days. He said, hey, it's not really that big of a deal. What you need to do is go home tonight, talk to your wife and say, I don't like bologna sandwiches. Pack me something a little different, please, for tomorrow. The man threw his bologna sandwich back in the lunchbox and he glared at the guy and he said, you leave my wife out of it. I pack my own lunch. (laughs) The reality is a lot of the bologna we have in our own lives is a lunch we've packed ourselves. 
We live our life in a certain way and potentially get the same result, but we look for something different to magically show up. But you know what? That's not always the case. Sometimes in life, there are circumstances that give us things or we go through some things that we wouldn't have asked for. And arguably, we say we didn't necessarily plan for or have anything to do with. We don't know the circumstances for this psalm. You may have gathered by our reading of it that it's a it's not one of the most exciting psalms. Uh, at least it doesn't begin that way. The author is David. It has his name connected with it. And we know that he wrote many of the psalms, whether he was as a shepherd a boy out in the country somewhere, or as a soldier leading an army, or uh, as the king of, of Israel. We don't know the story behind this psalm, but we do know it was written with a very difficult time in mind. And we can make perhaps an educated guess about what might have been going on in David's life. We know that at one particular point in time, David is being hunted in the mountains by King Saul. There's a whole story that goes into why this had taken place, but David had seen some incredible successes, and these are going to be familiar to you. If you remember, David would talk about he had encountered a lion and a bear when he was a shepherd, and it was great. You know, he could tell this hunting story don't know exactly how it took place. He grabs them, he kills them, he preserves the sheep, and it's wonderful what God did in David's life as a shepherd. At one point, Samuel, the prophet, will come to his village and will come to his family and will go through all of his brothers and will say, David, God is anointing you for a very special task. You're going to be the king of Israel. And as a young man, he is anointed king by the prophet of God himself. Of course, we all know the story of David and the giant, David and Goliath, where uh, he comes to the battle and he is used of God to, to kill Goliath, who is intimidating and uh, rebelling and, and saying all of those things about the nation of Israel. David was an accomplished musician. He played the harp. He was able to compose these, uh, these, uh, these songs that we read today in the book of Psalms. He played in the palace for the king. Um, he had led the army in successful battles. He had been promised the daughter of the king. It just was a really wonderful story. He was best friends with the prince of Israel, Jonathan. He was great friends with him. But the story changes when Saul has jealousy in his heart, envy in his heart for the success of David, and he vows a vow that he's going to kill, kill David. And so at one point in David's life, he's running away from Saul and he's no longer even allowed in his own country. There's a warrant out for his arrest. Soldiers are combing through the mountains. He's hiding for his his very life. And perhaps it's this time, or at least in this time in mind, that he writes Psalm number 13. I think it's arguable that the most striking thing about David is not his ability to face a lion or a bear or a giant or even lead an army in battle, or to compose these beautiful songs at a musical level. The most striking thing about David is his ability or capacity to encourage himself in the Lord, not just in the successes, but even in the dark, even when it's difficult. He was able to stay strong in the Lord. It's one thing to stay to start out strong. It's one thing to fight one battle. It's one thing to have these things take place in our life, but it's another thing to stay strong. And this psalm has something to say about staying strong in the Lord. 
And if we look at the psalm, uh, it's really six verses long, but we could think of them about being in three verses. If you think about a song that we sang today, we sing verse one, and then we sing verse two, and then we sing verse three. Really, there could be three verses to this particular song. The first verse would be David's questions, the second David's prayer, and then the last one, David's song. Let's look at some of the questions David asked here at the very beginning of Psalms 13. Four times David asked this question, how long, how long? Sounds like a trip we've taken to Minnesota and Wisconsin many times where the kids are asking, are we there yet? How much longer? And the last few times we've taken the trip, we've had Google, you know, Google Maps up there, which is very nice because it tells you exactly how many minutes till we'll get there. And so we'll give the answer. How long till we get there? It's going to be four hours and 33 minutes if nothing significant changes and we don't have to stop to use the bathroom three or four different times. And now the girls are old enough they can read it from the back seat. And so the little one will ask how long and they can give them the, the updated answer of how long, how much longer. And that's the question David is asking. He says, how long wilt thou forget me? O Lord, in verse number one, David, as a shepherd boy, had slain a lion and slain the bear. And he'd been anointed uh, by Samuel to be king. He was, had faced Goliath. But now, now it feels like he's forgotten. He's in a cave. It's the middle of the night. His life is hanging by a thread because if he were to make the wrong move, if uh, somehow uh, someone were to wander into the cave he was at, the entire army, which has to obey King Saul, is ready and prepared. Their swords are sharp. Their axes are ready to go. They're going to kill him. Their arrows are, are, are ready. His life is forfeit. He doesn't have any friends any longer nearby. His seven brothers aren't nearby. His closest associates are fellow criminals. He asked the question, how long will you forget me, O Lord? And this has been going on for a little while. He asked the question forever. Is this the end? Are you, is there no more plan? Am I no longer part of your plan for the future? It seemed like so many things were going great, but I don't see the way out of all of this. He asked it again. He says, how long wilt thou hide thy face from me? He's saying, it feels like God can't see me, that God has forgotten about me, that God is focused on other things and I'm trying to get God's attention. I need some help, but I'm pretty sure God sees everything. But here David is just scrambling through the night to get from one place to the other, to find another place to eat, another place to maybe start a fire and then move on to another location. And he's running from Saul and it seems like he doesn't even know where God is. Maybe he thinks God doesn't want to see me. Maybe somehow God's plans have changed and I wasn't informed about it. The mailing address hasn't quite forwarded to me yet. Reminds me of another character in the Bible, Elijah, who saw a wonderful victory take place. He saw uh, that uh, the the prophets of Baal, uh, the fire came from heaven and consumed the altar of of the Jehovah God, but the altars for Baal, nothing happened. They were were defeated and, and, and Elijah's doing great, but Jezebel gets upset, the queen, and sends a warrant out for his arrest, and he's running, and he's lonely, and he's afraid, and he's discouraged. Well, it's something similar here for David, it it might seem. He asks it the third time. He says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily, daily? He says, not only do I feel forgotten, but here I am, just, I don't have anyone to talk to. I'm in my own head. Have you ever been in your own head just trying to work through this thing? Maybe you can't sleep at night. Maybe it's uh, uh, 
driving down the road, but he says, I'm in my own head. I'm, I have sorrow in my own heart. I'm taking counsel in my own soul, and he's alone. You know, it's not good to be alone for very long. It's nice to be alone sometimes, especially if you're a mom with little kids around the, the house. But I'm a little worried for David because he is alone. He is taking counsel, as he says, in his own heart, and he's not able to get out from all of that. The Bible talks about how important it is to assemble as God's people together, right? To worship the Lord, to assemble as a church family. We need one another. We need the encouragement we get from one another, the prayers of one another. And here David is alone, and it's not good for him to be alone too long. These questions David is asking are really part of what we might call a lament, He's sorrowful and he's expressing the trouble he's having. He's concerned. He's worried. He's anxious. All of these things are true about David in this moment. The Bible says, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. The reality is there are times in life where you go through things like this. David would face numerous of these things throughout his life's journey. There are times that are sad times. The Bible talks about Jesus being a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. There are times we have questions. One of the things we're studying is a, in, our, in our young adult class is Job and Job's, uh, the things Job was learning and the things Job's friends were learning, the things we learn as he processed through the different events of his life. And, and Job did have some questions after he lost everything. He was quick to bless the Lord. Uh, I didn't have anything when I came into the world. I'm going to leave the world with nothing. Blessed be the name of, of the Lord. But there were some questions, even in it all, that Job had. Jesus will even ask this morning, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you remember that? He's on the cross and he quotes Psalm 22. He asks that question. So I think there's a lesson here. I think the lesson is this. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to go to the Lord with those questions. It's okay to, uh, to really understand that in this life, we are not our own savior. We don't have all the answers within ourselves. We don't form a committee to come up with all the answers. It's okay to have questions. And the Psalms like this are prayers given to God's people to pray. In times of difficulty or times of questions, some songs that we read, some of the psalms are, are very happy ones about rejoicing the Lord everywhere, uh, throughout, uh, throughout all the, through the mountains, through the hills, through your house, everywhere. Go rejoice, praise the Lord. Some of the songs we sing are like that, right? Singing I go along life's way, praising the Lord, praising the Lord. And some songs touch on something deeper, right? The old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. We're not forgetting about what the cross means, but we're reflecting on what the cross meant in another way. Maybe we look out at the world or in our families or circumstances that are apart and touch us and we see hurt and trouble or crime. And where does all of this come from? We understand eating our own bologna sandwich that we packed, but sometimes we wonder where some of the other of it comes from. It's okay to have questions. And Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. It tells us that when we are in trouble, when we uh, have questions, when we need assistance, we should do what we should do this. It says, let us come 
boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help of need. It's really a profound verse. It's really profound to me that, that we can boldly come to, the, to God who had created the entire universe. It's all under his control and we don't have to go through some other individual or person. We can come boldly right into the very presence of God in, in Christ. And he's big enough, bigger than our problems. We talked about that last year. He's greater than all of these things. And we can go directly to him and we can do so boldly. James tells us that if we have uh, lack wisdom, we can ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. He is eager, he's generous hearted to, to give us the wisdom. If we come to him and we ask in faith and we're seeking his face, God rewards that. He looks for that. He, he seems to enjoy being a help to those who come to him and look to him. When the disciples will ask Jesus how to pray, uh, you know, I would probably expect some sort of uh, three-credit course college class, right? This is how you pray. These are the words you say. Here's all the theological definitions, you know. Here's, here's really, if you really want to pray, this is how you pray for this. This is how you pray for that. Of course, there's so much to learn about prayer in the Bible. But is it ever surprise you how short that lesson from Jesus' uh, model prayer is? He says, go to the Lord. Know who the Lord is, our Father, chart in heaven. Uh, we can ask for things. We can, we can tell him our troubles. We can go to the Lord in prayer. It doesn't have to be super fancy or super crazy or follow certain prescribed rules. But we go to the Lord as his children. We can come boldly unto the throne of grace. Someone else who had questions in the Bible was Paul. He was the apostle. He was a great missionary. Things were going amazing. Uh, well, I guess we could say uh, that we know now they were going amazing, but he had some of his own challenges. Last Sunday, we pastor preached on storms, and Paul was in a shipwreck, and we, we looked at all of that. But, but Paul uh, had something in his, in his life. He, he, he talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He says uh, he had a, a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that means. At least I don't know exactly what that means, but it's a thorn in the flesh. He had some sort of issue, some sort of problem, something that kept irritating him. And so he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, let this thorn in the flesh depart from me. I don't, this would be something I'd rather not have in my life. And, and of course, Paul knew the Lord and Paul, the Lord had made many wonderful things in Paul's life. And he goes to the Lord and the Lord doesn't do anything, doesn't take it away. And he goes to him again and he says, Lord, I'd like this, this thorn to depart from me. And the Lord allows it to continue three times, Paul says. I besought the Lord that it might depart from me. And this is what the final response was to Paul. My grace, the Lord said, is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am, for when I am weak, then am I strong. That's an interesting answer from the Lord. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm trusting in the Lord, there's access in that way to more strength than I would ever have on my own. We're made, our, God's strength is made perfect in weakness is what Paul learned from all of this. Well, David has some questions. David's question is, how long will this continue? I seem to be forgotten. And now here in the second verse of his song, which for us is verses three and four, we have David's prayer. He goes to the Lord and he says, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say, I have prevailed against them and those that trouble me, me 
trouble me. Rejoice when I am moved. He says, I'm lonely. There's no one I can trust. There's no one I can confide in. He's afraid. There's a death warrant out for his life. The the, the attack dogs are howling in the distance. He's introspective. He can't talk to a a friend. He's in his own head. And, And so this is the situation for David. I feel for David. I empathize with him, right? We understand sorrow and sadness and questions, and it's okay. But I'm concerned for David because it's not okay to just stay there. It's not okay to stay in that place forever. The world isn't just black. There's sunshine on the other side of the clouds, more than he can imagine. But if he stays there, fear can really be a crippling thing. If I get too afraid to move out and, 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 and live out and launch out in faith and live my life, fear can be a crippling thing. Worry can be contagious and it can be toxic. Just worried about this and worried about that all the time. Frustration can lead to anger. Anger in enough time can lead to bitterness and that isn't good for anyone. So I feel for David, but I'm concerned about David, but I'm encouraged to hear him pray. And this is simply what he says in verse number three. Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Prayer is the turning point for David when he acknowledges where he's at and the question he has, but then he goes to the Lord in prayer again. Prayer is the turning point for for David in many of these psalms. We know that David relied on prayer in his time with the Lord, in his devotional life with the Lord. That's where these psalms come from. He relied on prayer. Daniel relied on prayer. We know that Daniel prayed three times a day when he was living far away from home in his life's journey. Jesus relied on prayer. We read about Jesus in the garden praying before his betrayal. We know about Jesus praying up in the mountains uh, by himself and other times with his disciples. And in this prayer, he calls on the Lord, my God. And, and you notice the word my there. It's a very short word, but he's identifying that the God he's praying to is not just a God or the God of Israel, but it's really my God. I am seeking you as a person, as an individual. God isn't just my mom's God or my dad's God or my nation's God or just a God, but my God. Even though he hasn't gotten an answer yet, he seeks the Lord in prayer. He says, Lord, you are my God. And I I want you to hear me. I want to seek after you. I wonder why it is that God sometimes hears us but doesn't necessarily answer right away. It would seem that David's been going through some things and it's taken a while and he has some questions. And I thought about this. I wonder if God, as David is praying to his God, and God obviously cares about David, I wonder if God is just a lot better of a listener than we are used to. Uh, Many times when there's a conversation, right, among ourselves, um, we're quick to give the answer, right? We're quick, maybe even too quick to give the answer. Uh, in our family, we might ask questions, and if someone knows the answer, right, to a trivia question, uh, we're quick to answer it, even if it was meant for a second grader, right? The fourth grader likes to answer it because we know the answers. Sometimes when we're in a conversation, we're thinking about the answer before we even hear the question. And so we give the wrong answer to the wrong question. Have you ever had that issue happen in a conversation that you've had? We're quick to talk. We're quick to answer. We're quick to uh, maybe try to solve the the issue. But the Lord may just be better at listening than, than we are. We're reminded that in the storm with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is in a mountain apart praying and the disciples are on the boat that Jesus comes to them, right? It's, a, it's, it's neat to see how God 
proved himself stronger than the storm. He could calm the storm. But he comes to them on the fourth watch. He comes to them after they spent all night out on battling the waves. There was a reason for that. It was a long time before the Lord answered Job's questions. It took a while before Job, God answered Joseph's questions as Joseph was on his way from, uh, from, from, from where he was to Egypt as a you know, soul into slavery. It took a while for the Lord to answer his questions. God's good at listening. Maybe more better at listening than we're, than we're familiar with. Well, what is this prayer? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes. Give me a different perspective. It looks pretty dark from where I'm at. Lord, I could use some encouragement. I could use some perspective. I could use seeing life from your perspective or in your presence. Someone said it this way about David in his battle with Goliath. As David ventured to battle Goliath, he didn't see a giant, he saw a dwarf. If we're comparing giant Goliath to God, he's not very big at all. In fact, it's of no consequence. But if we compare Goliath to ourselves, potentially he's quite intimidating. But this perspective is very important about life. He says, I would like to, I need you to lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. If I lose my faith, if I collapse and fall apart, if I sleep the sleep of death, if these things take place, my enemies are ready to laugh at me. Lord, give me the perspective I need. Give me the light I need. David felt lonely, but God was in the dark, but not at a distance. David felt afraid, but the good shepherd was standing nearby with his staff. David felt helpless, but he had all the power of the creator within earshot. In Psalms 121, the psalmist says it this way, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. The hills were no longer intimidating. If we look at it that way, the, the eternality of the hills, God's presence can come at any moment and, and, and take care of him. Well, we have David's questions and David's prayer to the Lord, and then we have David's song. This would be the third verse of our song. If we were singing it today, it's verses 5 and 6 here in Psalm 13. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. Just a few verses ago as we began, there wasn't a song. There were only questions. But now he begins to sing. I have trusted in thy mercy. He's saying, I may be at the end of my rope, but if I let go, I can trust in your mercy. I may be at the end of what I see happening here, and it may feel dark, but I can trust in your mercy. I can trust in your salvation. Now, I don't know how well we can relate to David, but the reality is if we learn about the life of David, David was actually a pretty rough character. David not only needed God's justice. We know that God is just, and he's good, and he you know, we look at injustice in the world and we long for justice and we know that God brings justice and we look forward to that. But David did not merely need God's justice. He needed God's mercy. He said, I'll trust in your mercy because for, for David, there were reasons that he didn't, he needed to know that he himself was 
if you just trusted in God's justice, if you and I just trusted on our God, our, uh, God's justice, we would be accused. We would be guilty before God. We would be deserving of his judgment. And so he looks for his, ju- for his mercy. He says, as I'm in a difficult position, I'm not going to pull myself out of this position by knowing, hey, if I look back, I've actually arrived. And one day God is going to just uh, recognize my goodness and everyone else's uh, misuse of me. And so in that way, I will be vindicated. No, David knew that in the midst of all of this, with all the complexities of what's going on, the one thing I need to trust in is God's mercy. David wasn't trusting in himself, his own character, his own righteousness, but he was trusting in the character and promises of God. I'm going to read from Lamentations chapter 3 and be reminded of what Jeremiah says. And this gives him hope in the middle of whatever he was working through as a prophet in a difficult time. He said, this is this I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. For uh, Jeremiah and Lamentations, or for David here, he's saying, I'm going to trust and hope in God's mercy. Every morning they're new. Have you ever had a rough day and thankful that you could wake up in the morning and have a new day to work with? That is a theological truth that we can, in Christ, know God's mercy. He's faithful and we can begin anew. He says, I've trusted in thy mercy in verse 5. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. All right, we're done. David has asked his questions. He's taken the time to pray. And now he can rejoice and sing about God's provision and God's mercy. But what about the answer to the question, how long? Does he have the answer here of how long? Did God speak here and speak about how long it would be before he'd be rescued? It it doesn't. David still doesn't know how long, but he had a song in his heart. He didn't know all the answers, but he knew that God cares and he can know that God cares and that he listens and he's faithful and he can rejoice in his salvation even though he doesn't know exactly how it'll all come about or when it will happen. If we look at David's life, he has many ups and downs. Think about it with me for a moment. Uh, What's a great victory in David's life? Well, maybe we think of Goliath and the defeat of the giant. But there was also Ziglag. There was also a time where he wasn't victorious in battle and something took place that was difficult for him. He had a son, the wisest person in the world, Solomon. But he also had a son named Absalom. He was promised and given the king's daughter to be his wife. He was brought into royalty and all of this took place. But there is also this woman in his life named Bathsheba. And with Bathsheba came a lot of trouble. He was given the blueprint for the temple. Hey, here's how the temple is going to be built and it's going to be great and wonderful. And the, the songs that have been written can be sung there at the temple. But he was never in a position to build the temple. There were times of prosperity as he was king and they won the victories and they were able to accomplish much as a nation and really make their foundation as a nation. But there were also times of pestilence that he uh, ruled over at the same time. 
And so David asks how long, but here's the reality of it. It won't be until after his death when David would fully experience the salvation of the Lord. He would see many victories, but it wasn't until he would die when he would see the salvation of the Lord. It wouldn't be for several hundred years. In fact, long after David dies, when there would be a a little baby boy born in the city of David in Bethlehem. David would never get to sing. He sang many songs, but he never got to sing the first Noel that we get to sing, looking back at what was presented to the world in Jesus Christ. He had all the sacrifices and he was able to see the, the blood being shed and all of that, but we, he never got to sing the old rugged cross the way we do and know exactly what took place in the life of the only begotten Son of God who was given to the world through God's love to die, to take our sin upon himself. It would be hundreds of years later, but the salvation would come. God's perspective of time is simply different than our own. I know as I get a little bit older, my view of how quickly time passes changes. When you have kids at home, it's long days and short years is the expression that I identify with. And as you get older, some have told me that time just goes by lickety-split. It goes by super fast. You won't even uh, know how quickly, where it's all gone. Imagine God's view of time from eternity to eternity as he looks at our lives. His time is different than our own. He listens better than we're used to listening. He may not answer the question the same way we would or in the same time frame that we would. And God's God listens, he hears, he knows knows what's going on in our heart better than we know it ourselves. And yet he allows David to walk through this journey together of questions and then prayer, seeking the Lord, and then encouraging himself in the truth and promises of who God is and what God will do because he's promised. The Lord can be trusted with more than we can imagine. We, we, We tend to want to hold on to things ourselves, but David is learning that he can trust the Lord. He can trust the Lord with his future. He can trust the Lord with all of these anxieties he may have. He can do what Peter will challenge us to do. Cast all of our care upon him, for he careth for you. Someone said this. About this psalm, let everyone then who may be tempted to use the complaints of this psalm assure his heart that God does not forget his people. Help will come at last, and in the meantime, all things shall work together for good to them that love him. Here's the question Do you know the Lord? When you go through some questions in your life or have some uh, questions like David did, is there a God you can go to and say, I know you as my Father? And I can go to you with my questions and with my concerns. Or do you not know the Lord? The Bible says in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to have eternal life. I want you to know my salvation. It's through this life that is your opportunity to acknowledge that you need a Savior. And look to me in salvation. In John chapter 1, it says about Jesus that he came into his own. He came into the, the world. He came into the Jewish world, the world that should have been expecting him. He said that his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. We can believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, trust in him, and be brought into the family of God. We can know his salvation. We can learn from David. Questions are okay. 
Prayer is the turning point when we go to the Lord and seek his face. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. Come boldly to the throne of grace and make sure you let trouble that comes into your life to, to tell you to trust in God's salvation. Bow your heads with me and close your eyes if you would. Father, we are thankful for your word and we're thankful that we have so much depth to read and learn from in the scriptures. But I pray most of all that the truth of the gospel, that we don't have all the answers, but we know we can have the answer regarding salvation and a relationship with you. We can have the eternal questions answered. Simply if we'll be willing to let go of our life, let go of our answers, and take to ourselves the answer that we have in Christ. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here, Lord, who does not have peace with you, that they know that if they were to die and wake up in your presence, that they would have a home in heaven. They know you as their shepherd because of, they know your love that you've provided in Christ. They've trusted in you. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who maybe we feel strong in the moment, that we'll be prepared if we do not feel strong to be able to encourage ourselves in the Lord as we walk through the journey of this life. We pray that you just help us to take the truths that David learned to our own heart. We ask it in Christ's name, amen. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed if you would for just a moment. I